Hi, I'm Betty Long, and welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. During season two, we are delving in deeper to the amazing lives and stories of nurses and other healthcare professionals from around the country. We will also be talking with a few of my nurse advocate colleagues at Guardian Nurses, and on occasion, even some real live patients. You'll get a behind the scenes peek at the healthcare system, as well as get advice on how to get the best care when you or a loved one is a patient. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. One death every 11 minutes. Contrary to popular belief, suicide rates are not higher at Christmas time. In fact, suicide rates are fairly consistent throughout the year. This myth may be perpetuated by popular culture, such as the all-time favorite Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Not only is this a myth, but to the contrary, some researchers claim that the holidays can lessen the chance of a suicide as people feel more connected to those around them. Regardless, I think we can all agree that the holidays can indeed be a stressful time. Loneliness, intensification of feelings of loss, financial hardships, family conflict, and substance misuse can increase during the holidays. In this episode, we talk with Jennifer Donahue and Stephen Mitchell, two of my colleagues here at Guardian Nurses. Stephen's expertise lies in mental health nursing, and Jen will share with us a story about a patient with whom she worked who tried to take their own life. Jennifer, Stephen, welcome to both of you. Um, thanks for joining me today on what you know could be a, a, a more serious subject for our podcast. Thanks, Betty, for having us. Yes, yeah, thank Jen, you so much for talking about this. Thank you both, really, for, for coming and um, for sharing your experiences. Um, you know, I appreciate so much that we're talking about mental health uh, today, and specifically suicide. And as I said in my introduction, um, I was actually surprised to learn that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Um, and when I think of all the medical illnesses that can kill um, us, I thought that was pretty significant. And um, in just in last year, more than 47,000 people took their own lives. But what I think, it, what it doesn't tell us is that a lot more people think about taking their own life and a lot more people attempt taking their own life. So, um, Jen, I, I want to start with you. Um, you, a few months ago, had a case in which your patient attempted to end their life uh, by taking an overdose of medication. Uh, can you tell us uh, about that case? Sure, sure. Um, I first met this patient about a year ago um, on a phone call. And since that time, I've been helping them with multiple health issues. Um, and we spoke fairly regularly on the phone. And if I didn't reach this patient, then I would always leave a message just reminding them that I'm always just a phone call away if they ever need assistance. Um, about two months ago, I got a text from this patient while I was on an appointment with another one of my patients. And the text said, thank you for everything. I appreciate your help. Okay. So, you know, I thought that maybe this was a text that was meant for someone else. Um, so I didn't really think too much of it because it you, seemed sort of you, you, yeah, you hadn't been in touch during the time. It was just out of the blue. 
Right. Out of the blue, I had called a month prior and left a message and hadn't okay. received a call back. Um, and then I just got that text. So it seemed sort of out of place. And I thought, okay, well, maybe the patient meant to text someone else. Okay. Um, but then an hour later, I received another text and all it said was, uh, do you help with suicide? Yikes. So I immediately excused myself wow. from my appointment. Um, and, and I was texting back and asking if they were okay, um, if they were thinking of hurting themselves, and could we talk? And the, as the patient was responding, yes, I was already calling them. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I can't imagine, right, like that you're, that, that the patient's texting. That, that's wow. Okay. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Um, so at, when I got them on the phone, um, they just thanked me for the help that I've been giving, um, for the assistance that I've been providing, um, but then admitted they were just done, said they were just tired of life and just wanted to die. Um, and so I asked, you know, where they were, were they home? And, uh, and um, they did admit that, yes, they were home, and then admitted to overdosing on medication um, in, in an effort to kill themselves. Wow. What, so, um, what had you been working with that patient about like was it was it mental health issues or, or was it a clinical uh, medical issue um a lot of um uh, musculoskeletal issues um the patient did have a history of depression but was uh actively in counseling um, okay. and it wasn't that wasn't um one of the issues that we were dealing with it seemed controlled adherent with it, you know medications and and receiving counseling so it was okay. um more of uh musculoskeletal wow. problems okay so back to your patient uh, so i pleaded with them to please let me send help to their home um, but the, the patient refused. And after a minute, uh, thanked me again for everything they said and, and then hung up the phone. So frantically, I called my vice president, Robin, uh, right away um, because I needed her help. I didn't have, I was at an appointment with another patient. So I didn't have my computer with me, uh, which has all this patient's information, which I would need to give to the you know, to the police. Um, so I immediately called Robin and thankfully she answered the phone right away. And I quickly explained the situation to her. And while she was dialing 911, this patient actually called me back. Um, and it turns out they wanted to apologize for upsetting me mm -hmm. uh, because of course, when I was begging them to let me send help, I was uh, very upset. And, yeah. um, and the patient actually called me back. Um, so I tried to keep them on the phone then, while at the same time, I was texting uh, back and forth with Robin on my personal phone to let her know that I had this patient on the phone, and she was texting back to let me know as the police, you know, the police were on their way, and, and I was letting her know when they arrived. So when they did arrive, uh, again, I was, you know, pleading with this patient to answer the door and accept the help because they they weren't going to do it, um, but fortunately, eventually, they did open the door and accepted the help and uh, and were taken to the hospital. Wow, that is uh, amazing, Jen. Um, I you know <clears throat> I remember you uh, calling Robin uh, at headquarters that morning, and um, you know I just want to say you really you acted so quickly and so appropriately. 
um, uh, you know, and saved out of Bajan's life. Um, so tell us if you can remember what, what, what popped into your head when you first saw the patient's text? I, I have to say, like, at first it was uh, um, a little bit of confusion and, and almost like disbelief. But then at the same time, I just felt like uh, such an urgency to just call and make sure that they were okay. I, you know, I, I didn't want to um, overreact, but at the same time, I didn't want to not react and then have something happen, something awful happen. Right. So, so I called. And, uh, and unfortunately, it was, it, it, you know, it was a, a, a text that really did need, you know, a, a real cry for help. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how is your patient doing now? Doing very well right now. Um, receiving therapy, ongoing therapy um, and, and support um, back in several support groups. Um, so, so right now doing very well. And are you in touch? Do you continue to support um, the patient? Yep, yep. It, it's interesting. Um, as as they were, <laughs> I actually got a call while they were um, inpatient um, in uh, in the psych um, unit. I did get a call, a voice message one day, just saying that they were doing well um, and that they were, you know, safe and and. Um, just wanted to let me know that that they oh. were okay. Which was really nice. <laughs> wow, that's great. Right. And right, that the, they left a message. That's good. Um because yep. I'm sure if you saw the number coming up, well, it was probably a number from the hospital, so you wouldn't have recognized it. Right, um, right. I didn't. when you look back on that day, and I'm I'm sure you do, um, what do you think about? You know, immediately, um, there are times where I may start to try to think about what could have happened had I not answered the call or, or re, you know, not, not made the call or had not, you know, answered the text. But I try not to go down there, down that road. Um, I, I'm just so relieved that, you know, the patient is safe. Um, I'm so glad that they called and, and just so grateful that they felt that they could trust me. Right. Well, that's a big, I think that's a big thing. And, and I think Stephen uh, will echo that as well. Um, Jen, I know that for me and probably a lot of our listeners, losing someone that we know or love by, by taking their own lives is, is something, uh, sadly, that we have experienced in, in our own lives. And, and as nurses, right. I think we, you know, we lose patients all the time to medical issues, critical care, all that. Was this your first experience with someone who tried to take their own life? No, unfortunately, um, it, it wasn't. Um, in my 25 years of, of nursing, I've taken care of um, several patients that have attempted to, to take their lives. Uh, my very first experience with suicide was back when I was in high school. Um, an 18-year-old classmate who seemed to have everything going for him was, um, you know, a star wrestler and um, had a great supportive family. Um, he ended his life by jumping off a bridge. Oh. And then, sadly, uh, a month ago, a close friend of my son's took his life with a gun, and he oh. was only 22. 
<clears throat> and then even closer to home, um, I experienced a, a family member of my own uh, considering the thought of suicide. Wow. So, wow. Been a, that's a, yeah, a that's a lot. That's a lot. Really? That's, yeah. I mean, I think I've had probably maybe two or three. Stephen, how about you? Um, in your own personal life, have you had any folks that have tried to kill themselves? Um, unfortunately, like Jen, yes. Um, I've yeah. had um, very close friends of mine who have um, decided to do that. Um, and then um, I've, we've had a family member who, a um, long time ago, but decided that that was um, uh, the way that they well, wanted to, that they wanted to end their life. Well, um, well I, Jen, but um, I think just as with any death, you know, whether it's natural or not, we experience loss, right? Even uh, we, we all do, whether we're nurses sure. or not, and we grieve. Um, but the feelings, I think, after someone takes their own life are pretty complex. Um, can you mm -hmm. remember the feelings that you had after learning that your high school friend had taken his own life? I mean, yeah. you were his age, right? You're 18. Right. Yep. I was 18. Um, yeah. And I still remember to this to this day, uh, because it was something that I hadn't ever experienced before in my life. Right. Um, you know, someone choosing to end their life. I had only up to that point ever experienced the loss of a, a grandparent, which was, you know, of course, very sad, but it was something that I could almost understand and something right. that seemed almost natural, right? right? But an 18 year old choosing to end their life, I had a, a difficult time for a long time trying to, you know, make sense of that. And, um, and I, I remember feeling sad, of course, but um, I remember too, after grieving for some time, just feeling really disappointed for him, for his family, for his friends. Um, and then even feeling mad, mad that he had hurt his family um, so, so badly. Right. You know, his his suffering was over, but for his family, they will suffer for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you're younger than me, but but um, even quote back then, was there what type of support was offered to you and your schoolmates? Um, the high school counselor. Um, was readily available if anyone needed. Um, but for for me and my, you know, my group of friends at that time, we gravitated towards each other. And, and that's really what um, what helped us through it was, you know, pulling together as a group and, and being the support for each other. Great. Yeah. Uh, there's strength and strength and friendship. Um, yep. Stephen, let me ask you in, in your work. Uh, with our patients at Guardian Nurses, what has been your experience with uh, your patients? Yeah, um, you know, I it was it, when reflecting on doing this podcast with the, the two of you. Um, I recently had an incident, um, a patient that similar story to Jen, where um, I kind of hybrid and follow some of the complex medical patients, and same thing happened where kind of out of the blue, an incident happened at their work, um, and the conversation kind of took a, a very interesting turn. And I, at one point, it kind of came up very subtly, and I remember asking the patient, you know, are, I, I'm, I need to ask you this question now. Do you, have you had any thoughts to hurt yourself? And the answer was yes. And then I had to ask, well, do you have a plan? And they said, no, 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 no. And I said, okay. 
I'm going to provide you a resource um, and I want you to call them. And it was the National Suicide Hotline number. And they did and they got connected with a mental health referral, which they followed up on. And But it, it was wow. interesting, similar cases, Jen, where, you know, we just we think we meet people open up to us that are trusted individuals and share these thoughts and feelings. And it kind of goes down a path where you kind of have to ask those questions. Right. Right. Yeah. Like your spidey sense goes up, like, wait a minute, I think I should be asking something else. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I, exactly. I know in, in preparing for this, uh, I did some research at the national Institute of mental health and, and on their website. And apparently they've developed an, an easy to use screening tool, mostly for healthcare providers, but it could be used for anybody because it's pretty easy to use and it's pretty quick. Um, and what I was struck by is that in a study that used the screening tool, a yes response to one or more of the four questions identified 97% of youth who were aged 10 to 21 years at risk for suicide, which I thought was, you know, it's pretty, pretty compelling uh, study. Stephen, can you share with us those uh, four questions? Yeah, absolutely. So the first question is, in the past few weeks, have you wished that you were dead? Yes or no? Oh, okay. In the past few weeks, have you felt you or your family would be better off if you were dead? Yes or no? In the past week, have you had have you had thoughts about killing yourself? Yes or no? Okay. And the last one, have you ever tried to kill yourself? Yes or no? And if so, how and when? If someone answers yes to any of the above questions, the next following acuity question needs to ask is, are you having thoughts of killing yourself right now? Yes or no? And if yes, please describe. Okay, and and then and then what? Right, if if one of those is yes, what 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 should someone do if if uh, someone they know is considering to take their own life? We want to. The first thing is like noticing any warning signs of suicide, especially if there's a change in behavior, new behavior, concerning behaviors. Okay. Get help as soon as possible. Um, Family, friends, we're, they're usually often the first one to recognize the warning signs of suicide, and they can really take the first step forward in helping a loved one find mental health treatment. Okay. So if someone tells you they're going to kill themselves, don't leave them alone. Don't hang up the phone. The other thing is you do not promise that you will keep those suicidal thoughts a secret. You need to tell a trusted friend, family member, or other trusted adult. Okay. If it's a tr call 911, if it's an emergency, a true medical or true immediate danger, go to the nearest emergency room. Okay. Um, as I mentioned earlier, in a crisis, you can also contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The number is 1-800-273-TALK or 8255. And for Spanish, it's one 888-628-9454. And right. this lifeline is free. It's a confidential crisis line that's available to anyone 24, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And this lifeline actually connects people to their local crisis center that can provide them crisis counseling and mental health referrals. Right. The other one to remember is the crisis text line. And that's so there's, text, wait, there's a text There's a text line? Wow. Uh-huh. Okay. So if you feel like kind of in this similar situation that Jen had, that yeah. if someone, you know, feels like they want to reach out in that communication venue, it's they text hello 
And this crisis text line is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's also confidential and helps anyone in any type of crises, connecting them with crisis counselors who can then provide support and information. Wow. You know, I, I've often wanted, when I see those kind of 800 numbers, you know, just because I'm curious, I want to like try them out because, but I don't want to burden the system. Like I want to see if you can actually get somebody on the line, right? Because how many times have we heard about patients trying to get through to providers, right? And are on hold. Obviously you don't want to be on hold on the national suicide prevention lifeline. Um, but anyway, it's just a, it's an aside. Um, Stephen, do, do people threaten suicide to get attention? I think that's a, a kind of a, a myth, right? The, yeah, I would say no. I mean, suicidal thoughts and, and actions are a real sign of extreme distress and an indicator that someone truly needs help. Yeah. Talking about wanting to die by suicide is not a typical response to stress. Right. So all talk of suicide really should be taken very seriously and really requires immediate attention. And what about, like, does asking someone about taking their own life put the idea in their head? No, I, I mean, I, I studies have shown that asking people about suicidal thoughts and behaviors does not cause an increase of such thoughts. Yeah. So asking someone directly, are you thinking of killing yourself or do you want to kill yourself, really is the best way to identify a risk for suicide. Yeah, I, I know when we were talking earlier, it, it's it's interesting to me that when you do ask a patient or someone, you know, that you know or love, it, it doesn't... It, it's such a serious question that their immediate answer is is will be honest, yes or no, right? So mm-hmm. if they're not thinking about it, it exactly. would be no. So that's it's interesting to me. I I know that for years, uh, you know, as a young nurse, you know, I was tentative, right? You don't want to ask because you think, uh oh, you know, I don't want them to get this idea. But if they have the idea, they're going to have the idea. So, mm-hmm. um, right? Who, you know, when we look, I mean, we have a lot of people in our world, but who really uh, is at risk for suicide? Really, it's, I mean, people of all ages, genders, ethnicities um, are at risk for suicide. Most people who have risk factors for suicide will not attempt suicide, and so it's difficult to tell who will act on suicidal thoughts. Although risk factors for suicide are important to keep in mind, someone who is showing warning signs of suicide will be at higher risk of danger and need immediate attention. Okay. But there are some main risk factors. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, good. Great. What would they be? So the main risk factors would include the following, um, someone who's had a history of suicide attempts, depression, other mental health disorders, substance use disorders, chronic pain, family history of mental disorder or substance use disorder, family history of suicide, exposure to family violence, including physical or sexual abuse, the presence of guns or firearms or firearms in the home, um, having been released, recently released from prison or jail, and exposure either directly or indirectly to others' suicidal behavior, such as that of a family member, peers, or celebrities. Stressful life events, such as the loss of a loved one, legal troubles, financial issues, and interpersonal stressors, you know, such as shame, harassment, bullying, discrimination, relationship issues, they all can contribute to suicide risk, especially when they occur along with suicide risk factors. Well, before we talk about the risk factors, let me just say, like that feels like everybody the the list that you gave feels like everybody could be included in that 
right? Chronic pain, family history. Pre- wow, that's a lot. So, uh, Jen, do, do you remember if your patient had any of those uh, risk factors? Um, t- uh, the, they did have a um, history of depression, but again, uh, was receiving counseling for that um, and a, a history of alcohol use as well, um, okay. but had gone through, you know, a 12-step program and was, you know, enrolled it with support groups. So risk factors, yes, but um, it wasn't something that was alarming at the time uh, right. for the information that I knew they were, you know, getting help. Right. So, um, Stephen, back to you. So, so the warning signs, right? So we've talked about risk factors, but, but talk about the warning signs of someone who's thinking about hurting themselves. Yeah. So those would be, you know, and thinking about it, someone talking about wanting to die or talking about wanting to kill themselves, someone talking about feeling empty or hopelessness or having no reason to live, talking about feeling trapped or feeling that there are no solutions, feeling this unbearable emotional or physical pain, talking about a burden to others, withdrawing from friends and family, um, giving away really important possessions, saying goodbye to friends and family that's kind of out of the blue, and then putting their affairs in order, such as making a will, a trust, or something along those lines. Wow. Again, that is a powerful list. Um... Jeez, anything else that uh, we should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, just to keep adding to this and thinking about it, I mean, really is someone who's, you know, if they're displaying extreme mood swings, they're suddenly changing from being very sad to be very calm or happy. Um, They're making a plan or looking for ways to kill themselves, such as looking for lethal methods online. They're They're stockpiling medication or buying a gun. Hmm. Um, they're talking about feeling guilt, great guilt or shame, using alcohol and drugs way more often, acting anxious or getting agitated, or just showing rage or talking about seeking revenge. Wow. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, one of the things that struck me is searching for lethal uh, online methods. That that would be, geez, I, I'm sorry that those things exist online. Um, Jen, let me ask you about your patient again. So you say you had been working with them for at least uh, a year and it was really musculoskeletal. Did they exhibit any of, of those behaviors that Stephen just mentioned to you? No, no, nothing of uh, that. No behaviors um, were referenced that were, you know, very concerning, no actions or feelings that were very concerning, but at, at the time, um, but of course, after this cry for help, right. uh, I learned that, you know, they were dealing with um, marital issues and financial concerns. Um, and then, of course, you know, the stress of this pandemic to compound these feelings as well. Right. So unfortunately, it wasn't something that um, I was, uh, that was, that was discussed um, until you know, this this cry for help, then I then I learned about all these other things that this patient was dealing with. Right. Stephen, how about you? I mean, that patient, you said you've been talking with that patient for, you know, working on some clinical medical issues, and then the conversations changed for you. Now, you're a mental health nurse, so your ears probably perked up. Um, did, did that Was that obvious, would have been obvious to me or Jen as, as clinical nurses? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, it was, like I mentioned, it was something that, you know, um, was out of the ordinary, um, not okay. something that, you know, there was something that was, I, I think there was an underlying, you could hear an underlying sense of hopelessness for what had happened at their work. Okay. And it was it, something that was a very different change. I mean, it wasn't something I've ever heard them say. There was always kind of a solution oriented. So it was kind of a different you know, shift in the road, if you would say. And it was like, oh, I need to listen more carefully. And it just kind of naturally kind of came out. Uh, okay, good. I mean, so like, so if I was talking to a patient and again, that kind of turned, had I had a relationship with the patient for months, I probably would have picked up on it too, as would Jen, as probably all of our nurses on our team, I, I would think. Um Stephen, in the last several years, and this is a topic of great interest to me, there has been a lot of energy into better language around suicide, and I think in better language around healthcare in general. Um, top of mind uh, to many who care about this uh, is getting rid of the phrase "committed suicide," and I, I think what what I've read is that committing you know, suicide implies sin. You know, when you when you commit something like a sin or a crime right? It, it's, it's bad, right? It's, it's blaming, it's, it's something bad. And I think the activists that I've read about suggest more objective phrasing, like died by suicide or died from suicide, ended their life or took their life. So I, if we're using the right language, if we're pulling negative connotations from the language, talking about suicide might be easier, right? So, um, what do you say on this? What, what's been your experience with the language around suicide in your career as a mental health nurse? Yeah, I, I mean, this has been of recently we in mental health nursing or mental health in general have been talking about this. And like you mentioned, that word committed or completed, right. um, it implies, like you said, this, like you mentioned, like a crime or something wrong and right. um a sin. And so we've really worked, you know, death by, you know, death by suicide or, you know, they, they took their own life and it's, we're really trying to pull out that kind of like what you were mentioning, that negative kind of or labeling okay. and labeling someone as being negative. Like, like been thinking about it, like in the medical terms, we think of like, you know, we don't call that person in this room, a di that diabetic patient. We call them right. Mr. Smith or Miss Jones. It's okay. in the kind of same framework that we're working with that and trying to pull out that you know, that trauma and not so much the labeling, but really looking at the person and how we can help them. That it was not saying anymore that a not completed suicide, again, that implies that there was something negative here. We should look at them and treat them differently. No, it, that's the wrong language. Right. And the language is looking at the individual and how do we help them, you know, move past this? What, what care do we need to put into place so that they know what to do if that happens again. Okay. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, Jen, in your life, you, you've had exposure to folks who have hurt themselves and, and tried to kill themselves and then of course kill themselves. So it's, you know, right. are, are you, as a result of those experiences, are you more, uh, I want to say comfortable talking about suicide? Are you, you know, tell me about like, because obviously the more, you know, it, none of us have had experience. We don't know what to say. Right. But if we have, right. maybe you've had some coaching. You know, you know, I think most importantly, I think through this too is, 
you don't really have to worry about what to say. It just say something. Don't be afraid to ask those questions. Don't be afraid to, um, you know, to dig a little deeper and, and, and ask someone if they're having bad thoughts or thinking of hurting themselves. Um, it's not going to make the situation any worse, but right. perhaps it could make the situation better. You could right. be that lifeline that they need. Yeah, you clearly so were the not, lifeline for afraid. your. Yeah, you you clearly were the lifeline for your patient, and I I give you a lot of credit and uh, want to recognize how quickly you acted again because uh, okay. that was pretty pretty quick action on your part. Um, to both of you, I, let me before we end, um, Stephen, why don't you go first? What what one thing would you like to share with our audience uh, about this topic? I think the one thing that's kind of the golden thread between both Jen and my stories is that having, if you're, you know, in that type of thinking or feeling, identifying someone that you trust and can open up to, whether that be a friend, a family member, a counselor, a nurse, a doc, it doesn't matter who that is, and telling that person that importance of that. Because like in the instance of Jen, when they get that call, they get that text, exactly what Jen did, just reaching back out. And sometimes it's just hearing a human voice that you're not alone, that you're, someone is there. I think that is the biggest thing to take away is whoever you trust, whoever that may be, letting them know that. So when that message comes across that you're thinking this way, you're planning this way, and that you just need someone to kind of help you pull back into life and really telling that person that you trust them to help that they will do that for you and letting them know the importance of that. So when that call, when that text happens, there is, you know, exactly what Jen did. There's an outreach back. Great advice. And and as I heard you saying the call or the text, and then I thought about social media, right? When, when kids or folks put post that on social media, which is mm -hmm. uh, sad to me, right? What a cry for help that is to put it out on social media. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Jen, how about you? Yeah. What what one thing would you like to share before we close? You know, I I, I feel exactly the way um, Stephen feels too. That you know there is help available. There's always a better solution um, than than ending your life. Um, so, you know, to to reach out and and just ask for help um, and and be aware of. You know, friends and family um, that may be in need of maybe your help um, as well to to get them the support that they need. Um, I, you know, I, I always remember, sadly, um, Robin Williams saying, um, and I, I think it's so true: suicide is a permanent solution to temporary problems. Wow. And it, yeah. I just, you know, keep in mind that there is help out there. Please, please just seek help if you're having, uh, you know, any any depressed thoughts or considering hurting yourself. There's someone out there for you that can help. That's great. Yeah, and I'm, that's sad about Robin Williams, too, because that was a permanent solution. Yeah. Um, thank you, really, both uh, Jen and Stephen, so much uh, for joining me and and for sharing your uh, experiences uh, and your expertise. Um, and to our listeners, I hope that you learn something that will be helpful to you and the people you care about. Remember uh, to take time this holiday season to be mindful of your own mental health. Remember to do the things you love and stay connected. Take care. Thanks, guys, for, for joining me.
Thank Thanks, you. Betty. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.